Do I need to fire my god? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. I'm glad we're recording in uh, remotely so I don't get hit by lightning after you ask that one. You you love these kinds of topics, man. You <laughs> you love to like just kind of like get people questioning, stir the pot a little bit, you know. So well, I I do. I love when when people are in suffering, I love to rattle their cage a little bit to try to get them out of suffering. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all about this. <laughs> this is this is the kind of topic where we get like kind of mixed reviews by the time it's all said and done where some people go oh man that really made a lot of sense to me and other people go man those guys are blasphemous depending on where they're at they'll love it or hate it yeah so, yeah and we welcome yeah. it all so we'll see we we'll see how it plays out as we get into this topic a little bit yeah before we dive in just i want to check in how how are you Things are going great, man. We're getting really, really close to the Radiant Dawn Conference by the time this episode comes out. Excited, really excited about that. It's one of my favorite things of everything that we do. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of on uh, getting on top of the mind here to to get ready for it. So that's right. A couple months away still. It's at the end of March. If you're interested, um, go over to radiantdawn.com. And uh, I, we've already talked a ton about it. I think it, if you're yeah. on the fence, just just do it. Just just come. So, yeah. um, wow, there's a little commercial we threw in there, Tyler. I didn't yeah, expect we, that. We like doing that sometimes. You are you are a master marketer, man. Just a <laughs> master, just a master businessman, marketing <laughs> fool. That is not my forte at all, Brandon. I like to help people. You like to do the marketing and the planning oh, and the strategizing. So. <laughs> I'm just here to help people. Yeah. Uh, I'm the therapist at heart here. <laughs> uh, well, then let's let's jump into the topic a little bit, Brandon. I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, I'm going to have you just kind of start and explain a little bit about why we're doing this topic today and what's on your brain. Yeah. I mean, so it's really fascinating if you think about kind of the, the, the culture that we work within, um, the topic that we specialize in. And it's, it's just really, really fascinating. God is inter, intertwined through all of it. Um, religion is intertwined through all of it. And um, through doing this over the years that, that we've done it, we, we talk a lot about father wounds. We talk a lot about trauma. Um, and, you know, there's, there's such thing as spiritual wounds. And there's also, I don't, I don't know if God ever really wounds us, but a lot of times people feel like, God has wounded them. And there's a lot of confusion and disconnection and shame involved with their relationship with God. Um, and so they're worshiping a God oftentimes that is actually getting them results of shame, disconnection, and addiction. Um, yet they continue to worship that, that God, which actually continues to give them those results. And I just want to kind of take a look at that for a minute. A lot of times people can't see it. They don't understand that maybe it's their perception of God or belief in God that they have that's actually contributing to their problems. 
Um, so I wanted to discuss it with you to just kind of flush it out to, to get people to really look within at their relationship with God and ask the question, is this working for me? Um, is God really an asset for me to feel peace and love? Or is my understanding of God an actual um, source of, of shame? So in a nutshell, Tyler, that's kind of... yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like we we talk, I mean, you look at the 12 steps and the first few steps of the 12 steps are all about relationship with God. If you were to, were to go to a treatment, like you or I run like a group treatment, we at least we market ourselves as a Christian-based sort of recovery program. And we invite people to be in a wrestle with God at the same time that a lot of times our clients are coming in with an actual wrestle with God, with who is God? Does God love me? Is God angry at me? Is there a God? Why did God curse me? All of these questions. And we want to be able to create space where it's okay to have that wrestle with the higher power and to ask some of those questions. And a lot of people, based off of what we do, come in with preconceived notions about who God is that they've never actually been able to question before in their lives. And some of what they've never questioned could potentially be causing them harm or to stay stuck in the very cycle that they're trying to break. But, but Tyler, the, the seeds of this start very young. And if, if we can kind of tell the story a little bit, um, and, and then you can kind of see how it's developed. So what, this is what I see is you take a, a young person who's a sexual being, they start to hit puberty. They start to get curious about sex um, they're going to a religion or, or their household that they're raised in is is very rigid or awkward or uncomfortable uh, around the topic of, of sexuality. And sex oftentimes is very much just associated with sin. Sexuality is sin. And so when you're a 12-year-old, you know, and you you find pornography for the first time, or you know, when you're a young girl and you masturbate for the first time, or whatever it is, there's tons of feelings of confusion and shame, and it leads to a lot of secrecy, and that secrecy leads to more feelings of shame, and then you you want an escape from those feelings, which leads back to this compulsion and and the sexuality comes up. And what do you know? That provides you this escape, which gives you more shame. All the while, there's this kind of narrative behind the scenes. If if you're in a pretty rigid system that God is, God is unhappy with me. Um, God is not okay with who I am because of what I do. Um, If I like something that's so bad, therefore I must be bad. Therefore, I must not really be lovable to God fully. And if I change something, then I'll be good enough. But I can't change this thing. I want to change it, but I just can't. I can't stop doing it. So I must just be bad. Um, the story goes on, you know, into marriage, uh, you you turn your spouse into your God. You try to get your self-worth from your spouse. You hide things from them. You feel horrible about who you are. Um, you get caught, you get in big trouble. It's proven true that you're bad, that you're not okay. Um, but all the while 
what you don't really know is how much God actually truly loves you and how much God is actually truly there for you right now in this moment. And um, so you're trying to please this God by being good enough. You're trying to earn your love by being sin-free enough, so to speak. And all, and you're feeding this narrative that all I am is broken and unlovable, right? So, so that's what what I see a lot of, Tyler. Yeah, I think I think it's like this combination of things that seems to happen, Brandon, where you know whether it's that rigid family system or maybe it's the church culture or whatever church we're raised in that kind of that kind of sends the messages. I don't think oftentimes it's intentionally like sending the message of shame. What's really happening is is that the culture or the church or whatever is trying to teach a principle, but they teach it in a way that doesn't give the why behind things. And so what it leads to is, is, you know, a message of, if you do these things, then you're not worthy. Right. Um, and for somebody who's kind of going through this struggle, what they feel is the sense of unworthiness, but they don't have the education of the why behind the reason the principle is being taught or the way that it's going to protect them or the way that it's going to help them, or they don't get the normalization of their other side of the feelings because it feels almost like if those feelings get normalized, then maybe we're condoning a behavior or something, which doesn't necessarily need to be the case, but you mix that together. And then we have this idea. A lot of us get this idea in our mind of who God is and that God is there in a transactional kind of a way to either reward us when we're doing good with blessings or to punish us when we're doing bad with, with, with sins. And, and that almost gets ingrained to a point that as the addiction continues to move in the downward spiral, that the hole seems deeper, the unworthiness seems bigger, the brokenness seems more to where a lot of our clients get to the place of either they almost have to not believe in a God or they have to believe that they'll never be good enough um, but they never actually pause to stop and go, wait a minute, is that actually the nature of like who God is? Because we've interpreted it for so long and we found evidence for so long of all the reasons why that must be true, that we're broken or unworthy, that we never even pause to actually stop and ask the question. And yet well, we have to come back to the same place, you know, our relationship with God, right? When you walk into a recovery center, it starts with God. And now the place where I'm getting some of the biggest shame, I've never even questioned that relationship, but now I'm being told that that's the answer. Well, but so Tyler, there's, this is complicated because um, according to the theology of what you learn at church, I think that affects your relationship with God. Um, also, according to your your experience that you've had with your own parents, that really affects how you view God because we view God as a parent parental figure and so we think God is like our parents. So if we have a lot of father wounds or whatever, it's hard to negotiate and, and, and understand that relationship with God because it's a complicated relationship with mom and dad. Um, but, but I want to ask you this, um, back to the theology thing, um, is grace freely given? Yes. Okay. But Okay. Yeah. So, so, so in, in a lot of cultures and every, every religion's a little bit different when we come to the topic of grace, but grace, grace is a freely given gift. And a lot of times it gets paired up with, but faith without works is dead. Uh, right. Uh, after all you can do, 
then yes. grace is given, right? Yes. So, so if grace is freely given, that matters because what what this says, it, we could we could kind of get to is God God loves you so much that He God just gives you this grace. You, no matter what you do, you can be forgiven, you are loved. Versus, after all, you can do versus the works must be there and then the reward is given. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's this, uh, why is this so important? Why am I bringing this up? It brings up this whole transactional model with God, or I call it the contingency model of, of, with God, that your blessings are contingent upon your obedience and your worthiness. When your blessings are contingent upon your obedience and your worthiness, then you're always trying to prove yourself to God. Another thing, Tyler, um, like this is the religion according to Brandon or whatever, Brandon's religion here, um, is sex of God. Or is sex disgusting, dirty, sinful, wrong? Right. That You mean that's what it's saying, being taught? Well, I'm asking, like, I think. Oh, that you're question, asking the question. Yeah, I think that question is important to, to ask yourself, is sexuality... Is that, does that come, is that from God? Yes. Okay. Right. And, and that's a good question. And I would say that in most of the religions that I, that we work with, I would say that there's kind of like this weird double edged sword where, you know, theologically, you know, in our church, it actually says in the actual like manual that the youth reads sex is ordained of God. Right. But then in other cultural ways, all that ever gets talked about in church is all the ways that sex gets misused, and then it makes it sound like it's bad. And there's so, never ta- there's never positive talk about healthy sexuality. There, there's not very much talk about all the benefits of healthy sexuality. And as we're talking, Brand, I'm thinking like I bet I could count on my on just one hand in all the years that we've done therapy a client that ends up in our office that says, "Yeah, the first time I saw porn, my parents pulled me aside and said, hey." You're probably curious about this. You've got sexual feelings. God built you with those sexual feelings. Let's talk about that. Let's explore what was going on for you. Let's let's see the blessing of your sexuality. And then also juxtapose that against the blessings of the doctrines of chastity or whatever. Most people don't end up in our office if they're taught that way. Right. Most people end up in our office when the first time they see porn and get caught for it, they're like, oh my gosh, you need to go talk to your church leader or you're unworthy or, oh, this is horrible. You're going to end up in da, 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 da. And it's like the, the sexuality of that being actually gets dismissed or made to feel dirty. And then that's where the shame takes root and, and causes people to stay stuck in that cycle. And now they've got God laid over the top of that. That's like watching them. And every time they act out, they start to attach things like, oh man, the reason why my wife just got like cancer is because I couldn't stop acting out. Or, oh man, the reason why this bad thing happened is because I couldn't stop acting out. God is punishing me. Right. God knows that I masturbated last night. So that's why I got in this car accident today. Right. You know, that, that type of thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you and, and you just did a good job describing it, Tyler. Going to church and actually having those messages given to you of sexuality is bad. Um, your you know, your blessings and your love from God comes through your they they call it faith. I don't even think this is faith, but um through your obedience, um 
And so if you're obedient, then you'll get the good blessings. If you're, if you're masturbating, you're looking at porn, then you get the bad blessings. And so then that's, that's the nature of God to, to them, to somebody. And that's, then that, that perpetuates the problem. That's where grace gets pulled into it too, because, you know, you and I have our own separate beliefs here, Brandon, but I actually do believe that there is merit to the things that we're asked to do in terms of the law of chastity. I believe there's protection in that law. You know, there is certain blessing that comes when you follow whatever the commands of God are, and it doesn't, it doesn't inoculate you from the fact that there's still going to be problems that you're still going to have challenges. And that's where I think people get confused sometimes is there are, there are certain levels of blessings that come when you've, when you follow certain principles. I, and, well, I, I would, but this is what I would say, Tyler, and I think you'll agree with this is it, even if I'm seemingly doing something good, if I'm doing it with a heart full of shame, then I'm actually not creating good in my life. So God looketh on the heart, right? And so, yeah, these principles are good. The structure's fine. It's all wonderful. But if, if I'm, if I'm spending my life in a state of fear because I'm worried that God's going to condemn me, then I'm going to play small in my life. I'm, my relationships will struggle. All kinds of things will happen. But you know what? Rah, rah, rah. I was righteous. I was good. Um, those are good things, sure, but they're not good things done for the wrong reasons. Sure, sure. But in that example, you you still avoid the potential of STDs and you avoid the potential of an early pregnancy and you still have, you still have certain blessings by living that way, even if your intention isn't like pure. But that's where the real issue comes in terms of addiction is, is that if it's still fear-based because it's a contraction, a contractual relationship with God, it's still likely to keep you stuck in the same patterns of not liking yourself or accepting the truth of who you really are. And then right. it doesn't allow, what it really doesn't allow is for us to actually lay claim upon the grace that is already there. Yes. You're working right. your own atonement. Right. You're, 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 you're trying to prove yourself in order to be okay and good enough. And, and you're, you're not allowing for that space of, of love in your imperfection. Um, you know, in, in the 12 steps, you bring up the 12 steps, um, step one, two, and three are all about surrender to God um, from the very get-go saying, I'm imperfect. Um, I want to have hope that God is there for me in my life. And I want to turn my will in my life over to the care of God. So the very basis of the 12 steps is I'm letting go. I'm letting go of this. And, and people think, they think if, if I let go and I let God into my life, then I don't trust myself. And so I don't, I, I, if, I, if I let go, then I'll just go off and do a bunch of horrible stuff. And that's not true. Um, because deep down, most people are just good. So if you let go and you let God into your life and you have God as your companion throughout all of this, even when you make mistakes, you're more likely to do good things. I, I think that idea is there that, you know, when we talk about the idea of who is God and what is God, God is love. And as we come to know more fully that love, what love does is it transforms our hearts so that we have, you know, in the scriptures, it says so that we have a kind of this system where we have no more disposition to do evil. And it's really, I think, connected to our acceptance of God's love that actually gives us that motivation. And so when, so when we can accept the grace first and come to know who we are and how God sees us, the more fully that we give our lives over to him and allow that love to seep into our lives, 
the more we continue to make the decisions that would be in line with what we thought we needed to do all along. But now there's a heart that can hold it. There's a belief that says, I know who I am and in whom I've, I've trusted. And there's room for that grace so that we can go and live our lives and engage in this beautiful gift or process that the Christian faith gives of repentance, right. which is which is a continual returning back to God and nurturing of that relationship. I've asked my clients, Tyler, um, when you think about your relationship with God, is it a source of peace and love? Is it a place of safety? Is it, you know, is, is it a place that you look forward to, to going and pouring your heart out, talking about your struggles? Um, is that the type of heavenly parent, so to speak, that God is to you? Um, or when you think about your relationship with God, do you cringe when you have to go to God and say, this is I, this is who I am. And 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 you know what's interesting, Tyler? Those people that cringe and 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 are disconnected and feel a lot of shame when it comes to God, or they're really angry at God, they are the they are the ones that have the hardest time changing their beliefs in 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 the God that they worship, um, because they feel guilty. They feel like I can't challenge this because it's scary because I don't know where I'll land. Um, I have this set system in place of this non-sexual condemning God who's just there to get me. And, but, but like, that's all I've ever known. And if I challenge that, then I am, I'm actually sinning. So God has told me I shouldn't question or challenge who, who, who he is. So I'm not going to even do that. And so they're, they're back behind the eight ball so far to let go of this because fear is everywhere. Right. And that's the, I think that's the challenge. I love the questions that you asked there, Brandon, where if, if our listeners are listening right now, they could ask themselves those questions. Like, what is the nature of my relationship with God when I approach him? And, and if it is, oh no, or, oh, not this again, or, oh God, I'm going to feel so horrible if I were to have a conversation with him right now. It's not that the nature of God needs to change. It's, it, it's, it's at least worth looking at to consider that the nature of how I see God needs to possibly change. And, and that's a question that is worth asking if all I'm continually getting is more shame, more of the result that I don't want. That's the stepping off into the dark. That's the faith. That's the ability to pause and say, wait a minute, you know, is there a different way that I could be looking at this that isn't necessarily God needing to change, but me actually needing to accept different principles about the nature and the truth of who God might be. Yeah. Which is scary. Mm -hmm. That's scary because it, it might create a total crisis inside of you of, of the way the world is and, and what you think about God and who God is. Um, and at the same time, What's so horrible about that crisis if your relationship with God is just creating all this torment inside of you? Maybe a crisis is exactly what you need. And that's what, when we talk about fire your God, that's what we're talking about is having the courage enough to ask yourself these questions and then going as far to say, I'm not going to worship a God anymore who is fear-based and control-based and force-based. And that's not my God anymore. Um, my God's going to be much different. When we talk to Jared about swearing, 
that's an example, right? Where he yeah. said, uh, he said a swear word. And what do you know? He felt God's love when he said that swear word. I know that sounds like a little thing, but to him, that's him firing his old God. That was a shift in the belief system. Yeah. yeah. So that's just an example. I'm giving you, I'll give you a, a little bit more of a personal example too, Brandon, just thinking about, you know, every one of us is on our own journey and my own journey you know, I think I was raised in a certain way with my own belief system about needing to be perfect and needing to be seen a certain way. And I, I think I subscribe to this thing that we talked about for a very long time of, I'm not going to be good enough in God's eyes ever, probably, but I'm going to sure try because that's what I have to do. I'm, I'm going to work my butt off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and over the course of my own journey and into this actual recovery and also some healing from other traumas, what I found is, is that my own personal wrestle with God probably three or four of the most poignant experiences that I've ever had with God myself have been in the midst of times when I felt the least worthy of his love mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. broken, you know, feeling like responsible for the death of a friend and there's God loving me being responsible for potentially breaking up my marriage. And somehow God shows up in that broken moment, loving me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these kinds of places where I'm finally my ego is finally so broken that I believe the truth was able to rise through it. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and the change for me has gone from this God who's there setting the rules and the expectations to a God who has always loved me. And he has certain principles that I would consider wholehearted living principles that he wants for me, that he wants for me to have even a greater aspect of joy in my life because living those things brings that freedom and that joy. But, but it's shifted over the years. I've gone from being what I profess to be, you know, in, in my own religion, a person who knew it was true to this weird meandering journey. Now that's gone to all these questions of who God might actually be to a person who actually chooses to believe. And, and I feel more at peace now in a person who chooses belief and faith than a person who had to know. Right. And, and for me, that's just been part of my journey, but I think it's fair to allow ourselves to go on that journey, you know, there, and there's a wrestle there, you know, there's been many times when I've questioned God and I've questioned my own beliefs. And I know you have too. And like, that's, that's, I believe that's the nature of part of what life is about is, is that we need to continually do that wrestle. Uh, absolutely. So, and, and, and you know what, Tyler, I, I don't. I don't know if it would be good for us to know every bit of the nature of God. There's got to be an element of faith there. There's got to be an element of unknown that, you know, I'm reading a book called The Sin of Certainty. And it's it's so fascinating because he's talking about how, you know, we try to know exactly what God is and, and how that's problematic in our lives. Um but it's interesting what you said, the part of what you're talking about, your story is how your ego had to be so broken down um, because your ego was actually in the way of understanding God's love. Yet your ego, you thought at least, was the thing that was helping you strive to gain God's love. I thought the ego was the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, it was, was in those because weird Because it was moments. there to protect you, right? Yeah, it was there. It was there to let me do the things that I'd done to always survive, to put on a performance face, to do the right things, to make sure to everyone thinks I was good enough. To hold all the responsibility. Yeah, and it was for in those everybody. Moments, 
You know, I remember one time right when it all broke loose with me and my wife, where I actually went into a church leader and I went in expecting to just have full on what I thought would be godly discipline. Like, Hey, maybe you're going to be disfellowshipped or excommunicated or whatever else. And, and the church leader listened to my story. And when he got done listening, he started to cry and he got up around his desk and he came and he put his arms around me and he said, I love you. And I want you to be in in our church. We have something called a temple. I want you to be in the temple tomorrow. And I was like, what? Like, no, that's not how, did you hear what I just told you? Did you hear the story I just told you? And he, he gave said, me the opposite reaction. He gave me, he gave me this like grace and, and something about that shot through my ego and was like, whoa, I've been looking at this from such a different lens. I don't even know how to hold this now. Like I could be forgiven. I could be worthy of love right after I just told this story. And yet there it was. And the ego was just dismembered temporarily. Like, wow, yeah. Tyler, like what the way you've been seeing yourself in the world is so false. Yep. And God has yep. such a different, such a different view of you than you've ever thought he did. Yep. I, I think we could do a whole other episode on this, but we don't connect to God through our ego. Uh, you know, our, I'm not saying our ego is bad. But in our minds, when we're trying to, you know, do exactly what we should and in order to connect, it, it really causes disconnection. And I love the story you just told, Tyler. I mean, talk about just God, God getting to your heart um, in those in those really vulnerable moments. So. Well, Tyler, um, this is one of my favorite topics. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, you know, my story is not your story or the next person's story, but I believe that all of us have a story and we have the gift and opportunity to go and pursue that journey with God on our own, but it is okay for us to actually be curious about our relationship with God and allow us to actually seek to understand the true nature of love because that's ultimately who God is. Absolutely. And, and if you just take the God that's been given to you and, and you just ingest that and you try, then I think you're missing out. And if you stop for a moment and you really ask yourself some of these questions and you, we call it initiate yourself with God. If you give God some time um, to meditate, to open up, to surrender, you're going to get, you're going to get some feelings, you're going to get some answers and you're going to get some connection. So All right, you guys, if this was helpful, um, then please share it with anybody. And we hope it got you thinking. We hope uh, we hope it rattled your cage a little bit today. So, <laughs> Thanks for being here with us, guys. We'll see you later.